Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Like that, we're back. The short wait, well, it wasn't a long wait. It felt like we were just together just weeks ago, but we're about to start that Premier League marathon all over again. Welcome to EPL Insights for game week one of the Premier League season. Gareth Mueller, Jake Osgathorpe with you. We're excited to get this going. If you haven't checked out our previous podcast, uh, we did it last week. All of our future plays are considered there. Uh, please have a listen to wherever you get your Pinnacle podcast from. Uh, and this season will be powered by the stats courtesy of Understat. So you can head there as well uh, to figure out and just to take a look at the data that we use to make our decisions on a weekly basis. Jake, are you ready to get going here? Because I'm looking at this week's slate. On Pinnacle, there's been plenty of line movements here over the course of the week. And they'll continue to, uh, to be up until kickoff on Friday afternoon, a full slate on Saturday, Sunday, and even a Monday match to consider as well. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess four days of back-to-back football is is not bad, really, when you've, <laughs> when you've come off a, a summer with very little in the men's game. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I, I did find the slate a little bit tricky um, mm. to, to kind of find much value. It's always difficult early on in the season, um, especially game week one, because, you know, we've got obviously data from the previous season to go off, but there's so many managerial personnel changes, um, you know, the way we might project teams might be different. So it's always a bit of a minefield trying to find, um, especially I usually go up until maybe game week six or game week seven, where you've got a bit of a grasp on what the eye test is telling you, but also what the data is telling you. Um, And at this moment in time, we're, we're... we're using probably 70% data and eye test and then 30% kind of hunch slash guesswork. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's always going to be tricky at the start. But, you know, there's a couple of plays I like. And like I said, there's been some early money as well for the plays that I like. And, and generally, I know it's moved some of the lines and the prices, but it shows that we're on the, we're on the right lines. You know, there's quite a lot of few people thinking the same way for the lines to move and for the prices to move. Uh, just to clarify, that's not an excuse, courtesy of Jake Osgathorpe. It's just a little bit of honesty in what we're facing this week. I know that a lot of betters are excited to get going this weekend, but hopefully some of the tips and, um, and, and things that we provide over this podcast today can put you in good stead heading into the weekend. Uh, we'll be bringing back some of the features of our podcast from last season. Each week we'll go through our feature five games, five games that we're going to put more in the spotlight than the other five, which will be um, picks and, and and some thoughts about those will be provided within a rapid fire segment. We'll be providing a value play of the weekend and an important addition to this podcast as well. Instead of us bragging every week about how well we've done with their with our picks and how much profit we make, uh, we're actually going to be keeping track so you can keep track along with us over the course of the season. Uh, we should really should have started that last season because I would have put that poster right on my wall, Jay. Like <laughs> it was a better year last year. And we hope uh, we hope that the same outcomes come our way in 2023-2024. Absolutely, yeah. I think I would have had a banner in front of one of those pictures instead. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> from from about game week eleven onwards, it was just pure fire right through to the end of the season. So hopefully, we can pick up where we left off. Um, and you know, I, I think there's there's enough good angles to get started this week. Okay, so, so let's dig into it. And before we get into the specific games, uh, the community community shields in the rearview mirror. I really don't have anything to add on it. I'm not sure if, if you do at all or anything that you've seen uh, um, preseason. And you mentioned maybe how tricky it is game week one of the Premier League season. Are there some trends or things that you have seen that kind of go into the way that you're approaching game week one? Um, not particularly, no, because every, generally every, um, every start of a new season is kind of equally as unpredictable. Um, I think one of the things that we can kind of at least pin our hats on is the fact that generally the newly promoted teams kind of perform pretty well through the first, well, some of them can perform well through the first 19 games, basically, like Fulham did last season. Um, and that's just because there's a bit of an unknown about them, really, in terms of Premier, in, in what the Premier League to, uh, uh, are going to expect. Um, and then ultimately that kind of catches up with them. They drop like a stone at the end. 
Um, but given the, the teams that have come up this time around, I, I mean, there's only Burnley really that I can imagine that would perhaps take, um, you know, quite a few early scalps and make a few upsets uh, early on. Um, you know, Sheffield United, they yeah, I called them a basket case club the other day because uh, I can. I'm from Sheffield. They've called Sheffield Wednesday a basket case club for years. And yes, we still are one as well. Um, but yeah, they, they've got some serious issues selling the best players without rep- replacing them. And, and obviously Luton are going to be playing, you know, um, they are effectively the uh, the David, aren't they, in, in the Goliath. So um, yeah, I, I'm, it's always tricky. The managerial stuff is always is difficult to kind of, um, get a gauge on how that's going to affect things in a positive or a negative manner. I think one thing we can definitely kind of lean on is styles of play nowadays with managers. They don't change in terms of if they've, you know, they stick to principles now. So if you know that a manager has played in a certain way at a different club, it's extremely likely he's going to bring that kind of style and, and those systems to the new club, no matter who the players are, just because managers are built like that nowadays. And, you know, we can probably get some early value in certain markets is what I'm looking at anyway. Uh, similar to the Roberto Di Zerbi bump that we got last year because, you know, anyone who watched his Sassuolo team just knew how attack-minded they were and, and how, you know, just all-out, gung-ho kind of football they were playing. So goals were going to flow and, and we kept getting some really good prices for goals, didn't we? So those kind of things is what I'm looking at, mainly for Tottenham and, and potentially Bournemouth, um, not to kind of spoil the, the, the selections in the pod. But, um, yeah, those are the kind of things I'm, I'm looking at keeping an eye on. Yeah, um, I still feel that Brighton's a little bit undervalued, specifically for their attacking play in the markets. Uh, we'll get into that. For context, last season, you mentioned the promoted clubs. Uh, clubs uh, Last season, the first game week of the season, a win, a loss, and a draw. Uh, Bournemouth beat Villa 2-0 at home. Fulham drew Liverpool 2-2. And Forrest lost away 2-0 at Newcastle. Also interesting to point out, there was only one team that scored more than two goals uh, in the first game week of last season. That was Spurs uh, beating Southampton by a 4-1 final. So that's some of the context heading into this game week. Are you ready to dig into our first feature five of the new season? Yeah, let's fly through it. Let's do it. And let's start off with the Friday night fixture. It's Burnley and Manchester City played at 8 p.m. local time. Burnley won the championship of 101 points last season. Um, that was 10 points better than Sheffield United, who came second. Uh, Vincent Company's the manager, you know, back now competing as a manager against his former Man City side, and Burnley back in the Premier League after a year away. I think they've been pretty shrewd in the transfer market as well, bringing the goalkeeper from Man City, young James Trafford. We'll see how he fares. Redmond comes back in the Premier League. Bayer from Gladbach. Uh, Ziki Amduni, they're going to rely on him up top. Uh, $15.6 million from Basel. And I should mention Luca, Luca Colioscio, uh, Canadian eligible, by the way, international <laughs> player, signed player for the future, really, from Espanyol. Um, out, Ashley Barnes is out. Nathan Teller was great last season, scored 17 goals, but Southampton have brought him back as he was just a player on loan. Their XG last season, 29.1, was second best in that category to Sheffield United in terms of of the uh, of, of the league championship. Obafemi is out. He's got a hamstring issue. He'd be an effective player for this team. At home last season, there were 16-6 and just one loss. 54 points was the most at home and just a 16.4 expected goals against at home in 23 home games. So they were a good team playing at Turf Moor last season. Man City, I mean, what a season. Champions of the Premier League, treble winners, 89 points, five better than Arsenal. 94 goals scored. Uh, they, they conceded 33, which was tied for the best in the Premier League. The best expected goals, the best expected goals against. They were an absolute dynamo last season. 11-4-4 four four away from home, 37 points. Um, just two less than Arsenal away from home. But they had the best XG and the best expected goals against away from home. And the most expected points away from home as well. They bring in Vardial, they bring in Kovacic, two Croatians to strengthen the side, Mares and Gundogan. And it seems like they're still trying to move for another midfielder in the market. Looks like Walker's going to stay, but the two Croatians will see Kovacic probably more ready to go than Vardial at this point. Ake, the only really fitness concern this weekend, not 100% fit. And something to keep in mind, they do play in the Super Cup against Sevilla this coming Wednesday. Head-to-head, City have won the last 11 meetings between them and Burnley. They haven't lost in their last 16. 
And Burnley, no clean sheet, by the way, in their last 16 games they played City. City, no goals conceded in their last seven. They've been the first to score in their last 10 games and the first half winner in eight of eight. They beat Burnley. They played in the FA Cup last season. It was a 6-0 final, and they beat them 2-0 twice in the 2021-2022 season. As for the odds on Pinnacle, Burnley can play them to win outright at plus 901. The draw plays at plus 504. City victory, minus 328. The total set at three. The over, minus 101. The under, minus 112. And the handicap is set at a goal and a half. So what do you think here? City to kick off their new campaign and where they are prohibitive favorites to go on and win the Premier League again. What do you make? Could this be a little bit of a tricky first game for them to play, playing a promoted side with a lot of familiarity between the setups of both of, of both teams? Yeah, I'm fully expecting City to win. Um, I don't think it'll be too comfortable. I don't think it, you know, I think Burnley have shown us plenty to suggest that they, you know, they can play this fairly close, especially at home. But um, yeah, I struggled to find a player that I liked in this game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I think Burnley are going to be one of those teams that will, like I said, cause a few upsets throughout the season. I think they'll beat teams that are worse than them in terms of teams we expect to be relegated. Um, but I think they could be one of the teams a little bit, they're not, they're not quite Leeds-esque under Bielsa, but a little bit like that because they take so many risks and play in such a, a brave manner that up against the better teams, they could, you know, get found out. Um, get punished a lot more than if when playing against the lesser lights. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 1-0 City win. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 4 or 5-0. Um, and either way, it wouldn't really change my opinion on Burnley and the fact that I think they'll be absolutely fine. And, and that City are probably, you know, they are the team to beat in the title race. So, yeah, I was quite happy to just leave this alone and have a bit of a no bet to start off. Yeah, <laughs> I hate to be boring and predictable and I hate to follow your lead out of the game during <laughs> the season. I did, did have a slight lean to the under minus 112 because of the fixtures it's going to be a busy start to the season city did go to west ham and beat them 2-0 to start last season city went to nil i, I just i think burnley's going to be up for this this could be like really one of those games out of the gate burnley back in the premier league i think there might be some emotion to it so i do have a lean at the under three as the total at minus 112 actually you know what i'll make a full play here i, I circled it you were trying to convince me otherwise not to make a play. I'm not going to fall for it early. Under the total of three, if it's three goals flush on, then it's a push. Um, I'm okay with that. I can't see it being that free-flowing of a game. Uh, so let's go under three at minus 112. There you go, Jake. Yeah. Just step up and make an early play. That's I, feel it. Like I've, I feel like I've kind of you know, just led you into, into a play you probably didn't want to make there. But um, yeah, what's your stake on that? It's 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 a spite play, by the way. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, it's going to be a half play. It's not going to be a, a half a unit. Play. Half unit uh, at minus one twelve. Uh, nice. Under under three. Uh, I guess we're free to move on to the next yeah. next game. It's Arsenal and Nottingham Forest, twelve thirty local time. The early match on Saturday. Arsenal second place last season, but the way they ended the year wasn't great. Three three and three in their last nine. But it's a statement of intent, bringing in Rice, Timber, Havertz, you know, David Raya as at least the backup goalkeeper for now. Can he supplant Aaron Ramsdale? We'll, we'll see what that looks like. Granit Xhaka, the, the most notable player to leave Arsenal this summer. 84 points last season, nine points better than third place Manchester United. 88 goals, but the, their XG was just 76.5 according to Understat. So that made them the second biggest overachiever, overachiever in terms of Actual goals scored versus XG. Uh, second to Spurs. They did have the third best expected goals against overall. They were 14-3-2 at home last season. An eight-goal difference between, once again, their actual goals and their XG. So they overachieved at home. Jesus is out. His knee is bothering him. He's out. Zinchenko has a muscular issue, and he is out as well. Forrest survived last season despite all the change they brought in, what, 28 players during the season, and they managed to finish 16th place. Uh, look, they picked up 38 points in the end. Uh, Kaylor Navas was massive, bringing in the goalkeeper on loan. And they picked up two wins and two draws in their last four games, and that was key to survival. They were the worst away side in the Premier League last season, just eight points and one win overall. 
11 goals scored away from home and 44 conceded. Incredible. They were bottom four overall in XG and expected goals against last season as well. Hasn't been a great summer. It's been quiet, especially for Forrest. Anthony Alangas come in. Wood has made his move permanent. Matt Turner, the goalkeeper, is on his way. And that's about it. Ayu, Lingard, Surridge. A, a bunch of players have left. Um, it's more the players that have left on loan. Like Dean Henderson's gone back to Manchester United. Navis is gone. Brendan Lodi is gone. All those players on loan have left. And that would make the most notable difference in the side. Head-to-head, uh, -head, Forrest actually beat Arsenal in the third to final game last season. It was a 1-0 final. And Arsenal smashed Forrest 5-0 at home in this fixture last season. As for the odds on Pinnacle... And Arsenal win minus 5.33, the draw plus 6.81. The Forest, uh, Forest win has moved out from 12.27 to plus 14.18. The handicap is set at 2, minus 112 for Arsenal to cover, uh, minus 100 for Forest to cover. The total, it's a big total as well, set at 3.25, the over at minus 118, the under at plus 103. What do you make of this? Big expectations around Arsenal, probably not so much for Forrest heading into this new campaign. Yeah, exactly that. And I kind of agree with the market in terms of the um, kind of supremacy that they're expecting with a handicap at two, at minus two. Um, I'm going to back them at minus two, Arsenal. Um, but yeah, the prices I got minus 112, it's just tightened a little bit to minus 111. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, a, this is a cracking bet. I'm going to put one unit on this. Um, the, you know, the, the Arsenal were very impressive at home last season. Won 14, lost just twice, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but interestingly, they won by two or more in nine of those 14. But if you take teams that finish in the bottom half, they actually won by two or more in eight of 10. So this is a bet that basically, you know, at least pushed in eight of 10 matches uh, against teams in the bottom half. And I fully expect Forrest to be in the bottom half yet again. Um, and, and as you mentioned, the worst travellers last season with a just horrific record, um, they generated just 0.8 expected goals for per game, failed to score in five of their last six friendlies as well. So they're not exactly coming into the season on cracking form. And, you know, friendlies we take with a pinch of salt, but generally friendlies are a bit like a free-for-all, aren't they? Like, you know, even Sheffield Wednesday managed to score in a few friendlies. It's, it's like, uh, you know, that does not fill me with much confidence at all for Forrest and their attacking uh, output, especially heading to the Emirates in what is... A very, very tough opening game. So, um, yeah, minus two on the Asian handicaps. It's a push if they also win by two goals. Uh, it's a full win if they win by three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know. It could be anything, really. It could be. Um, this is no bet for me, however. I just, I look at it. I was tempted for the under, maybe, perhaps, if it moves to three and a half. That's a bet I'm going to have to make. I, I don't like Forrest heading into the season, although I do like some of their players. Johnson had a good year. Gibbs White, obviously, some talent. He's de dealing with a little bit of a knock as well. But I, just, I have no faith in this Forest team. I have them going down this season. Very hard for me to bet them. But I, I, I told you last week, I'm going to be fading Arsenal here to the gate. I think that the market is too heavily in their favor. I don't know how much they're improved. Um, the fact that Jesus is out to start the season, I don't think that that's a good omen on them. Big pressure on players like Martinelli to take their game forward this season. Looks like a player like Trossard who came on and made a difference in the community shield can be much more effective. But where's the attack from wide areas? It's certainly not coming from the fullback. So it's interesting how they're built and constructed. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I just think the hype is a little bit too um, sided behind Arsenal on this one. So I'm just going to stay away from this one entirely and uh, not make a play for this one and just see how it plays out. Fair enough. Brighton and Luton as we move forward. Luton Town in the Premier League. Uh, Brighton's a team I'm exceptionally high on entering this season. Um, finished sixth place on 62 points last season. Grand Potter went out and Deserby came in and it just got better and better as the season went on. They're the third best overall expected goals. 72 goals scored, by the way, on the season for Brighton. And the fourth best expected goals against last season as well. They've lost, lost Alexis McAllister. Uh, Sanchez, the goalkeeper, who was kind of replaced by Steele at the end of the season anyways. He goes out. Undav has gone out on loan. But the ends, I just love their transfer movement. I think it's really, really smart stuff. 
Um, Bergen comes in as the new goalkeeper. Dehoud, good player. Igor, the center back. Jao Pedro, uh, exciting attacking player. James Builder for, from experience and stability. It's a group of young stars with the likes of Matoma, Caicedo still there. And we're not sure what it's going to look like him playing this weekend or him staying, but for the time being, being he's still at Brighton. And CISO, Ferguson, and Stupinian, uh, Bonanote, like they're a team with so much exciting young talent and add these players they brought in. And Adingra's come back off of loan. He's 21 years old. He can maybe add something more up top alongside Ferguson and Welbeck. There's some real good options for an attack minded side. Uh, they only had the best ninth, or the, the, the ninth best home record on the season last year in 34 points. That's the one area. If Brighton improves, then look out. For Luton Town, what a story. They finished. Um, third in, in the in the league championship, but got, qualified for the Premier League or got promotion to the Premier League, I should say, by winning the playoff over Coventry City. 80 points last season. They scored the ninth most goals, however, in the league championship, but it was their defensive record that pushed them through the third best def- defensive record in the championship. There were six in expected goal differential as well in the league championship at plus 14 and a half. The last time they were in the top division of English football was back in 1982. But they've lost a little something at the back. Ethan Horvath was great, the American goalkeeper. He's gone back to Forest off his loan. And they brought in a bunch of like, what would I call them? Like league championship caliber players or talents that maybe can come good um, in terms of their transfer dealings. I think it's been smart. Their manager, Rob Edwards, was supposed to be the man that brought Watford to the Premier League instead. Nathan Jones goes to Southampton. Edward slides in after being sacked by Watford because that's what they do at that club, sack the managers, and ends up in Luton Town and works miracles. Carlton Morris scored 20 goals last season, um, and we'll see what he can do uh, stepping up a level. Head-to-head, Luton Town, no losses in their last three against Brighton, but the last time they played was 2016. Uh, the odds, Brighton to win, minus 302. The draw, plus 463. A Luton Town victory way out at plus 870. The handicap set at a goal and a half, and the total is set at three. What do you make of this one? I mean, it's going to be an emotional time for Luton Town. I'd probably be more likely to put a Luton Town bet forward if they're playing at home. They're not. They're going to the Amex. I think it's going to be a very difficult day for the newly promoted side. Very difficult, yeah. Um like we, I don't think we we do, do Brighton justice to be honest on just how good they are, not only on the field but also off the field. I mean, you know, some of the business that they've done um, losing McAllister would would be you know a huge blow to any team. But they brought in Mahmoud Dahoud, who I think is a ready-made replacement. He's brilliant at progressing the ball. You know, he's going to be a great signing. And like you said, the other guys they brought in, Jao Pedro, definitely strengthens the team. And um, you know, they're looking at a, a couple of others as well that would strengthen the starting eleven. Um, they're not resting on the laurels, Brighton. Um, and, you know, they are one team that if they go out and sign a player, I always take note. They know something that other people don't, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the only issue Brighton had under Graham Potter, not issue, but the, the way they fought, fell down was in these types of games. They really struggled against teams they should be, especially at home, uh, just purely because the ball movement and the pace of the, of the, of the play was so slow under Potter. It was very laborious. It was very... You know, yeah. very a little bit too controlled. Whereas Deserby's coming and and kind of ripped that up or completely, and he's kind of built on what Potter's set up, but doing it in a much more you know smash bang wallop kind of way, where it is get the ball forward quickly. Everything's done at a very high pace, um, and that is exactly how you need to play if you to be a team that's expected to just turn up and sit deep and try and counter attack. And I think that's what Luton will do. Um, yeah, I just think Brighton are going to have too much quality for them here. Um, you know, trying to find a play was interesting in terms of what, you know what 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 to to get involved in was it the handicap or was it the goal line? Um, but I, I just thought you know the, the goal line said three. Yeah, I I know Brighton are a team that will score a lot of goals this season, but I just think there's a little bit extra security for me in taking them on the handicap at, at minus one and a half because. I could easily see this being a 2-0 kind of game. I think Luton will not be one that will, will get absolutely hammered out the gate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really think they're going to contribute much to the scoring either. So yeah, Brighton minus one and a half on the Asian handicap is going to be another one-unit play for me uh, at minus 
105. Um, they're just so good. I mean, if you want any more data stuff, they're since Deserve took over, they were the second best, uh, sorry, third best attacking team in the league behind City and Liverpool. Unexpected goals. Uh, they racked up the second most expected points after Deserve took charge, um, just to again highlight the kind of levels that they're putting up. So it's not as though Luton are going to a team like a you know mid-table kind of Brentford. It, they're going to a Brighton team that are effectively, well, last season performed like a top six side, uh, even higher, in fact. So, yeah, happy to take them on the handicap. I'd the exact same bet. Brighton on the handicap, minus one and a half at minus 105. I was tempted to make a play on the total. I was really tempted to make a play on the Brighton goal total of two and a half at plus 136. Because if they score two... Why couldn't it be three or four? Just the way that this team plays and attacks. And I have way more questions about the way Luton are going to approach this and how they're going to fare rather than questions about Brighton here. So plus plus 136 over two and a half. Again, because it's the first week. If this was week three, four, five, I'm making that play because it's the first week of the season. I think the handicap is the smart play, especially at minus 105. I'll make a full play there as well. Follow your lead. Or you're following mine. You just batted lead off here. But Brighton on the handicap, we're both on it. All right, yeah. good. Uh, anything else? Uh, we're both big fans of Brighton. And by the way, uh, there was a plenty of response to one of our posts that we put up on Pinnacle. Brighton fans, pessimistic about their approach to the season. Playing European football, saying they'd be happy if they finish in the top 10. I just don't see it. I just think that this is a team that can push on and potentially do something special here over the course of the season. You know, top four. I think that they can push into the top four, perhaps a little bit of a reach, but something similar to last season. I think it could be in the cards. Absolutely. I wouldn't rule it out. So that's my they're, approach to Brighton this season. They're here to stay, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and well, for at least as long as Roberto Deserve is there. Um, I have no doubt that they've already got another uh, sensational manager lined up just in case he does get p- picked off. But um, <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to go anywhere. They're, they're going to be an absolute thorn in the sides of the big spending competitors. And I don't think the, the markets have completely compensated or reacted to how good they are and how good they may be. So uh, that's a team I'm going to be tracking very closely here at the opening weeks of the season. Let's move on to the late game on Saturday. Should be a really good one as well. 5.30 p.m. kickoff. It's Newcastle at Aston Villa. Newcastle from 11th place two seasons ago to a top four finish this season. They went from 49 points to 71 points in one season. Um, it, it's not just the takeover. Eddie Howe's done a great job. And it's a team, I don't think, full of star power, but it's Howe's hard workers that continue to get the job done. Four points better than Liverpool for a top four spot last season. They were fourth best in expected goals, second best in expected goals against. 33 goals against, tied for the fewest with Man City last season. And they underachieved in front of goal last season, scoring almost nine goals less uh, than what their XG actually stated. So they could be a whole lot better, could have been a whole lot better than they actually were. Only two losses at home last season at the best best XG playing at St. James's Park as well. 14 goals against, that's it, in 19 home games. Uh, Tonali comes in, Barnes comes into the team, St. Maximum, who... When he was on was spectacular over the over recent seasons for Newcastle, but just completely unreliable in terms of avail- availability and fitness. Fabian Scherer, 50-50 to play this game this weekend. He's dealing with a thigh. Uh, Willick as well has a thigh injury. He, at least at the time of recording, is 50-50 to play as well. For Aston Villa, it was a case of Unai Emery to the rescue last season. Under Stevie G, just 12 points from their first 13 games of the Premier League season. Aston Villa ended in seventh place, are playing European football, ended up with 61 points overall. Emery was fantastic presiding over this team. They finished the season with 2-1 victories over Brighton and Spurs as well, and a 1-1 draw with Liverpool to end the season. Ollie Watkins, loving life under Unai. 13 of his 15 goals in the Premier League were scored under the new manager. Uh, XG on the season, they were mid-table, goals forward against 51, 46, We'll see if they can look a little bit better in those categories, but they're pragmatic and it turned into results. They brought in Pau Torres, Musa Diaby, Yuri Tielmans. All seem like relatively good pickups at decent prices as well. Ashley Young, the only player of consequence, 
who's gone out the door and he's 39 years of age. Diego Carlos is also back in the team, missed all of last season uh, with a serious injury. So he's like a new signing at center back as well. Only 18 goals scored away last season. That's going to be a bit of concern, especially going to Newcastle this weekend. Head-to-head, they played to a 3-3 draw in preseason, but last season, home wins for both and convincing ones. 3-0 for Villa, but at St. James's Park, Newcastle smashed Aston Villa 4-0 that day. Uh, The odds on Pinnacle, Newcastle to win minus 129, the draw plus 290, and a Villa victory at plus 375, the handicap the Asian handicap is set at 0.75, uh, Newcastle minus 0.75 at plus 101, minus 111 the other way. And the total set at 2.75 with the over coming in at plus 105. Uh, should be a good game. Two teams that have eyes on even more improvement for this upcoming season. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very entertaining game to watch. Um, it's a It's a tough one for me to kind of get involved in from a betting perspective though. <clears throat> I've got my um, my thoughts on Newcastle. I think they'll have another good season. Um, but this is a quite a, well, Villa are everyone else's hot team. Everyone else is banging the Villa drum and, um, and I'm kind of, yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're going to be at the level required to challenge the likes of Newcastle, you know, the rest of the top six effectively. So, um, yeah, this is this is going to be a little bit of a watch it game for me because I was kind of hoping Newcastle would be a slightly bigger price to win the game on the back of all the, the Villa hype. Um, so the fact that we're getting minus one twenty nine, I would have liked it a little bit closer to um, even money. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to just give it a bit of a watching brief. The goal line did interest me. I did have over two and a half or both teams to score. One of them written down, but the price has just just has just been hammered in. You know, it's like, it's like minus one thirty three now for both teams to score. Um, and given Newcastle's defensive record last season, Villa's attacking struggles away from home, that's something that I was hoping to get a bigger price on as well. So I think I think the market's kind of, you know, has got this one fairly correct in terms of pricing uh, to the point where I don't see much value from my perspective anyway. So I'm happy to say no bet yet again. Okay, I'm definitely making a play. And I'm one of those You're gonna go Villa individuals. You're going to go Um... I'm, I'm going, yes, I am. I'm going Villa on the handicap at yeah. minus 111. It's moved out from minus 109. It's going to continue to shift, I guarantee, because if Newcastle wins by a goal, um, you get half your bet back. Uh, for me, that's worthwhile because this game for me is draw written all over it. I don't want to play the outright draw. Villa can go on, or Villa can go on and win this game outright. Um, I, I want to see what it looks like in this season where there's expectations, there's Champions League football for them. Um, look, Tenali's a good player. Perhaps he can bring out another gear to Guimaraes. I thought he was good enough as is last season. We'll see how much he improves um, the midfield and, and, and what it looks like in Premier League play. I, I like Ramsey. Another year on for him. A really good young player at Villa. They have a combative midfield as well. They could cancel each other out. I wouldn't mind siding to the under, but the value isn't there. The, the value is with that play, Villa on the handicap. I'll take it at minus 111, a full play. Aston Villa in the handicap this weekend. Uh, I, I don't think they'll be starting the season with a bang. I think the game will be very low scoring, tight, cagey. Could go either way. That's why I like that Villa play. Do you understand where I'm coming from here on this play? Um, yes and no. Like I said, I don't really buy into the Villa hype. Um, the underlying data last season for around Villa was was very poor and highlighted that they were very lucky to finish in the top seven. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, this is this is this is. Uh, Newcastle's able to take it up another gear or at, at the very least replicate what they produced last season. Yeah, I, I don't see a reason why they can't. I mean, they've kept everyone everyone in place, really. The gaffer's there. Uh, all the players are there. If anything, they've strengthened their 11 by bringing Harvey Barnes in to play on the left-hand side uh, instead of what would be Anthony Gordon. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Newcastle are in a, in a good spot. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'll, I'll be happy to be proven wrong if 10 games in, things aren't going the way they are. But at this moment in time, I am I'm much more confident in what I'm going to see from Newcastle than I am Villa. Um, Fair enough. And, you know, pe- people forget as well that you know Newcastle are in Champions League football, but Villa are also in Europe as well. So when you're looking at back in them top six, top four, just remember that they are in Europe in the Conference League, and Unai Emery is a guy who will literally completely ditch the Premier League or his league football and concentrate on European football. So just if you are looking at a pro Villa future. Just be mindful that if they get to the quarterfinals of the Conference League, the Premier League will be hitting the backseat. 
But now they have four center backs that can play. The side is the squad is clearly deeper than it was, and we'll see if they make any other moves. I I, I think that Villa is more capable of doing that this year. That uh, look, like, of course, Emery in cup competitions with Villarreal with Sevilla, it's it's been unbelievable. Let's see if he can balance this in the Premier League. I think he's a brilliant manager, um, and I still think there's some value on Aston Villa future plays for this season. Uh, you know, perhaps call me a square if you will. I, I just like the makeup of their squad and the players that are coming in. Uh, and, of course, the manager as well. Let's move on to our final match of our feature five. Let's move to Sunday, a 4.30 p.m. kickoff. And what a way to start the season. Could it be a bounce-back year for one of these sides or potentially both? It's Chelsea and Liverpool from Stamford Bridge. It's Pochettino's turn to step up and see if he can solve the problems that Tuchel Water and Lampard. It just got progressively worse, didn't it, over the course of the season for Chelsea, leading their way to a 12th place finish. It was incredible. 11, 11, and 16 on the season. 38, that's it, goals for and 47 goals conceded um, behind Fulham and Palace last season. Aside that, under Todd Bowley, spent incredible sums of money, um, but it just, just didn't work. <laughs> that's the best way of putting it. And it was embarrassing at times. Times. They had the 15th most home points last season, just 25 points at home last season. Uh, in comes Cuckoo. Um, he's now out long-term with a knee injury. I was really high on this pickup. They actually signed him in January, and he came in. Preseason looked good and, and goes out through a knee injury. That's a significant loss. Nicholas Jackson's going to play up top. Sassy at the back. They're bringing another goalkeeper in Sanchez. We'll see how it plays out. It's, it's more notable who left the club, quite frankly. There's Havertz, Kovacic, Conte, Mount, Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek. Should I continue? Abidu, Koulibaly, Mendy, Aubameyang, Asphal, Equeta. All out the door. Uh, also, Fafana, the center back, he suffered a knee injury as well. He's out long-term as well, meaning that the Sassi had to be brought in. And, and we'll see what else they need to do to solidify this team. The good news, at least to start the season, Chilwell and James both in from the start. Those were huge losses for this team last year, not really playing with either of them consistently. And for what it's worth under Pochettino, they went undefeated on the preseason. Doesn't matter. I'll let Jake tell you in a few moments' time. Liverpool, fifth place, but a late-season run at least made it interesting. They didn't lose in their last 11 games of the Premier League season. 67 points overall. They had the second-best expected goals at plus 80.77, but there were 12 in expected goals against, and none of us expect that to change anytime soon. They're wonderful for, in terms of playing attacking football. Defensively, still massive questions. In five preseason games, Liverpool scored four, 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 and three. And if you did it back to last season, they scored four in the last game of the season to Southampton as well, so they're scoring goals at will. Away from home, 6-5-8, and eight, 29 goals scored, 30 against last season. Uh, Alexis McAllister comes in. Dom Dominic Shobosly comes in as well. I like both those pickups, adding to a central midfield. In fairness, had nowhere near enough legs last season. Henderson, Fabinho, Firmino, Keita, Milner, and the Ox all go out of Liverpool. Head-to-head, Liverpool have lost to Chelsea in six. But this is the craziest thing. The last four times they played, it's ended in a goalless draw. By the way, it's gone under seven of those eight games. Four in a row. That's just wild to me that these two teams continue to play the goalless draws. The odds, Chelsea to win at plus 195. If you like a draw, it's plus 262. Uh, a Liverpool victory at plus 142. The handicap is set at 0.25, minus 0.25 for Liverpool, plus 0.25 for the home side. The total is set at 2.75. Um, tell me that you're going to make a goalless draw here. Jake, just tell live dangerously, let the hair down, do something crazy here. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game because I think there's a lot of questions to be answered by both of these sides. Yeah, I'm definitely not going goalless draw. I mean, <laughs> it's a really interesting stat that this happened four times in a row, but you have to take a bit of context. You know, Thomas Tuchel was the manager for three of those games, I think, and two of them were cup finals. Cup finals, yeah. anyway. Uh, I think the other one was it was just after they'd sacked. Graham Potter, I think. I think Bruno was in charge last year for the Stamford Bridge game. Um, so, yeah, there's there's massive caveats there as nil-nils. And obviously, you've now got a manager in Pochettino who's a much more attack-minded um, front-foot coach than Tuchel is. Um, and, yeah, Liverpool uh, look to be in a great place to kind of 
score at will again this season. I mean, their, their attack last time was was last season was brilliant in terms of underlying numbers. It was second best in the league, so it wasn't that that was the problem. It was just the midfield and and the lack of support for that defence. And yeah, the moves that they've made in terms of not only bringing McAllister and Soberslai, but also getting rid of Henderson, Milner, Fabinho. Yeah. Um, you know, while you are losing experience, don't get me wrong, and, and that can be quite good for the dressing room. But you know, you, you, you're getting rid of players who looked slow, looked old, looked past it, um, and were on massive wages. So it's a win-win all around, really, for the club, and, and it means that the likes of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Stefan Bacetic might be able to get more of a run in the team and develop themselves. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Liverpool. Uh, I'm. I think this is a really good time for Liverpool to play Chelsea. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think Chelsea, are, you know, there's going to be a lot of teething issues to start the season because it's a massive change in terms of um, system, in terms of tactics, uh, how Pochettino wants them to play. There's so many new players still. I mean, they signed most of them in January, but still, I mean, it takes longer than six months to get acquainted. And when you've had three managers in six months as well, that's going to make things a little bit more difficult. So, um, yeah, I think that this this is a, a, a great spot for Liverpool to play Chelsea. I think this, this was game week 10. I think we might have a different opinion if we'd seen that, you know, there's, there's, there's been some opportunity for Chelsea to kind of tie things together a little bit more and make some progress. And as you mentioned, there's some big injury issues as well at Chelsea, not only in, in the forward line, but at the back as well. With Obviously, Fafana, who's a lengthy absence. Uh, Badia Shile is supposed to be out as well. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they've got Levi Colwell, who was brilliant at Brighton. So it's a deep squad, the DCC that's come in as well. But... Um, you know, I just think the Liverpool are going to be an absolute handful in this game, um, and I think that this is this is the kind of almost not a purpose-built pop game, but I think that the way in which Pochettino plays with the high press front foot, I think that the midfield Liverpool have now are a lot more press resistant than what they were last season. So McAllister is happy to take the ball in tight spaces with people around him, and you know he's, he he can bypass that press very well, and, and Zobosai can do the same. So. I think that's something that will prove quite crucial if, if Chelsea go all out in the press and, and Liverpool will be able to pick the way through it. Um, so, yeah, I think Liverpool are the play. I won't put anyone off backing them to win, just normal 1x2 market plus 142, but I'm going to take a little bit of extra, extra security while the price is, is still available. Um, uh, plus naught is where I'm going, so draw no bet effectively. And we're getting minus 130 for that, so... Um, yeah, the, the the handicap line did move from plus naught to uh, 0.25. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to take the plus naught at a slightly shorter price with a bit of extra security. Um, yeah, I'm going to make this a, a one and a half unit play, so slightly wow. bigger than the other plays. Um, I, I think Liverpool in a great spot. Well, well, we look at this game the same way. Um, just Liverpool's attack, I, I think it has the potential of being scary good. I know they're another midfield player away, but I, I'm I'm okay with what they have because they're, they're playing to our, their identity this season. They're actually my my favorite value play to go on and win the Premier League this season. So I'm backing Liverpool in this game. Chelsea, it remains to be seen. I think they'll be better. They think of a proper manager, unlike Frank Lampard. I think some good things will happen. Midfield looks a little bit thin right now for Chelsea. I'm just going to go straight up on the Asian handicap. Liverpool minus 0.25 at a whopping plus 110. That's going to be a full play for me. Um, I was tempted, and if it wasn't at plus 110, I, I was thinking Liverpool team total in the game over a goal and a half at plus 107. I wouldn't try to talk you into making that bet as well. Again, this Liverpool team, I think they're going to just score goals for fun this season. But I'll stick with the spread. I'll have a little bit more juice than you're putting on this, uh, and we'll see that if it reaps the rewards. Again, they can win outright, but if you're going to give me the cushion, um, if it's a draw, for me to only lose half my bet versus the one plus 142 for a Liverpool outright win, I'm going to take the Asian handicap here. So I think we're both backing Liverpool in this game. We'll see how it plays out. I was going to say, what's your stake on that one? Are you doing a flat unit Full, full bet. Flat unit. Yeah. Full unit. Yeah. So uh, just the one half unit played for me, and that was the first game uh, on the under. Other than that, full plays across the board. So those are feature five, all in the book. Let's shift our attention for to the remaining five games of the weekend and go rapid fire for the rest. Uh, 15 place Bournemouth, an off season of change, as they host 14 place West Ham, who have now finally started to wheel and deal a little bit. Bournemouth plus 179 to win, plus 504 for the draw, 
plus 165 for a West Ham victory. Do you have a play in this game? Yeah, I'm taking Bournemouth plus naught on the Asian handicap. So draw no bet. You're getting even money. Um, West Ham, you say they're wheeling and dealing. They're basically funding Manchester United's next transfer move, aren't they? Um, Scott, fully support it. Harry Maguire. Fully looking at. And um, Ward Prowse, it's like, I just... It's very yeah. Moisey. All these moves just scream yeah. David Moyes, don't they? Moyes has got his way. Um, there was a little bit of a standoff, wasn't there, in terms of how the money was going to be spent um, you know, the, between him and the and the director of football. And, and it seems as though he's kind of managed to get the nod uh, in terms of what he wants to bring in. But I think that Bournemouth for a team that quite a lot of people, including myself, are expecting quite big things from. I'm very surprised to see them still third favourites for the drop. Um, is a fantastic young coach. He's wonders at, at Rio and, and Mirandes before that in, in this, uh, La Liga 2. So, yeah, I think that they're in a very good spot to cause a bit of an upset. Um, I, I, I guess it it's kind of is an upset because they're the outsiders. But, um, you know, I, I think, in my opinion anyway, the way in which both teams are heading into the weekend, then they should be favourites, really. Um, just given everything that's going on off the field at West Ham, the fact they've not replaced Declan Rice. They've not even, at the minute, I think they've, they've got... a a player, is it the lad from Ajax, is it Alvarez, Alcaraz or something like that? Alvarez. Decent, Alvarez, decent yeah. player. I, I think that uh, oftentimes, uh, obviously, he comes from my neck of the world, comes from CONCACAF, plays from Mexico. Really good player. I think that he perhaps is worth in people's eyes, you know, pundit's eyes over here is a little bit higher than he actually is. We'll see if he can make that transition. Tidy player, good player. Not like for like with Rice. I think he can be decent, but we'll see how good he is in the Premier League. Yeah, he's, I don't know if he's gonna if they're gonna get the paperwork over the line in time for him to play this no, weekend. But um, I'm not banking on it. So that that leaves a massive hole effectively next to Suchek in midfield. Um, and yeah, like away from home last season, West Ham worked great. Just in general, from an attacking perspective, didn't create many chances. Um, and I think Bournemouth, the way in which they're going to set up, is going to be very front foot. They've got a lot of really exciting forward players. Yeah. Um, Solanke, Watara, Justin Cliver, Jaden Anthony. Um, and you know the, the, the guy they signed from France, the midfielder is it Diallo, Hamid Diallo, um, very good player as well. So yeah, I, I think Bournemouth are going to kick things off with a win. And um, you know, I think if it wasn't for um, Lopetegui already getting sacked or leaving or whatever, I think Moyes might have been the, the first man to lose his job, depending on what happens in this game. And, and obviously with the with the transfer thing, but given everything's kind of seems to have, have shaken out in a positive way for Moyes, I think he's going to get a little bit longer, but. It seems like a good time to oppose West Ham. Is the first manager sacked? That I guess that's already come through, and the season has to start. I mean, what a waste! I know. I, I, I guess. I guess to be fair, over here the markets are next manager to be sacked. So technically, it would have been rather than first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I don't know. And, which, which I, which I kind of predicted last week on 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 the preview podcast, and we'll get to Wolves in a second. I'm high on Bournemouth. I, I think I have a future play over 38 and a half points this season. I the exact same play for you. Draw no bet, even even odds, a full play, Bournemouth. Um, it shows you that some clubs owned by Americans can do the right thing and they continue to make good decisions. <laughs> really, they do. And, and they're spending a little bit. I like this project, what's going on with Bournemouth right now. I like them in this game. I think West Ham will eventually be okay, but it could be a little bit of a shaky start to the season uh, for them. And yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm on that play, even money for a draw, no bet. I'll take that every day of the week. By the way, we we, we don't chat about our plays before this podcast. It's just sometimes they line up this way. A 17th place from a season ago, Everton hosting 10th place Fulham. Everton at plus 122, the draw plus 247, plus 245 for the Fulham victory. What do you make of this game and do you have a play? Uh, no bet for me. This one, I'm happy to kind of see how they both shape up. I think Everton, they've got the makings of a very solid Daesh team um, that could potentially survive um, with more ease than they did last season. And, and Fulham, there's so many question marks around them, just around Mitrovic, whether he's going to be featuring at all, um, you know, whether Malfa Silva's still going to be knocking around in a few weeks' time. Um, but yeah, in general, Fulham were a team that we liked to bet for overs last season. Um, I don't see a reason why that shouldn't still be the case given the fact that they are generally quite a front foot uh, team. But this is one of the games where away at Everton, Everton probably like to keep it to a 1-0 kind of scoreline. It's kind of a game where I would be looking for the unders, but I'm happy to sit this one out. 
while Marco Silva is still there. They played a lot of football without Mitrovic last season. I think Fulham has some really good players in their team. I think that they're still a little bit underrated here. What's Everton done? This team can't score goals. They bring Dan Juma finally. Okay, when was the last time he played regular football? And Ashley Young, that's it. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed with this Everton side. Uh, they, 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 they held on and stayed in the Premier League by this much last season. Give me Fulham on the handicap, plus 0.25. If this game has a draw written all over it, if it's a nil-nil, that's fine. You went half, half a play at minus 101. So I'll do a full play on Fulham on the handicap at plus 0.25. Fulham, by the way, haven't lost to Everton in their last three. Uh, and Sheffield United against Crystal Palace. Sheffield United finished second place in the league championship last season. Palace finished 11th place. Roy Hodgson bringing new life uh, to the team after Patrick Vieira left. Sheffield United plus 225 for a home win, plus 220 for the draw, plus 145 for a Palace victory. Do you have a play here? Under, under, under. Under. That's better. Um, yeah, under two and a half goals. The line is uh, is two and a quarter, but I'm I'm going to take a shorter price on two and a half because I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's the, the kind of safer play if you like, uh, or the best way to get a win. Um, yeah, like Sheffield United, as I said before, a bit of a basket case club. They're selling loads of the best players. I mean, to put it into perspective. Elman Jai's left. He was a top scorer last season. Um, James McAtee was his their third top scorer last season. He he was on loan. He's now gone back. Um, Sander Berg, he looks like he's on the verge of joining Burnley. He was their fifth top scorer last season. Um, and then you've got Tommy Doyle, who was one of their higher assist players, um, makers that was on loan again last season. That's not there. So it's a, a hell of a lot of goals have left the squad, basically. Um, and it's the same for Crystal Palace. You know, Wilfred Zahar's gone, probably their, you know, been their best player for a long period of time now. Uh, and Michael Elise, I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. So no. two of their best creative players from last season won't be on the side. Obviously, a he finished the season red hot. Um, and, you know, I fully expect him to kind of pick up where he left off. But it, this is a game where it's kind of a... I must not lose if you like for Sheffield United. This their 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 upcoming schedule looks pretty tough, and you know a home game against a team that is effectively in the bot, bottom eight relegation kind of the eight teams we expect to get relegated. Um, you can't really afford to lose this game, and I, I fully expect it to be quite a tight match. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a kind of, this was a nil nil. If we, if we yeah. did get one nil nil this this weekend, it would be this one. So I'm going to make that a, a one and a half unit play as well. Wow, and that's under two point two five. No, under 2.5 at minus 142. Minus 142. Uh, No play for me for all those reasons. I have no idea what to expect from Sheffield United. I think playing at home in this game, they'll be up for it. Their XG was the best in the league championship last year. Uh, Palace knows Ahad, potentially knew Elise. I still think they're a decent enough side. I was tempted to play Palace on the handicap based upon the questions around Sheffield United. I'm just going to stay away and watch this one out. Uh, Let's move to Sunday, 2 p.m., should be a good game. Brentford and Spurs, plus 193 for a Brentford win, plus 141 if you want to back Spurs. The draw at plus 270. The total is set at 2.75. Uh, what do you make of this one, Jake? Um, I am taking over the goal line, but I'm not taking the 2.75. I'm going to take it a little bit lower again and take 2.5 at minus 140. So again, it's a slightly shorter price, but I'm going to double my stake and make it a two-unit play. So it's going to be my biggest bet of the weekend. Um, I, I think this is very much a case of um, you know a, a rerun of the, the Zerbi introduction in the sense that you've got uh, Ange Postecoglou coming into Tottenham and he is just a gem, genuinely attack-minded coach who will get his team playing front foot football from the very start. And I think at Tottenham, he's got a squad in the forward areas anyway that, that can cause a lot of problems, even if Kane's not there. I mean, you've got Kulusevski, you've got Richarlison, you've got Son, you've got Madison now as well as a potential front four, even if Kane isn't starting. Um, but then you look at the other end of the pitch and it still looks extremely weak uh, and still yeah. looks extremely gettable. And despite not having Ivan Tony, I still expect Brentford to cause a lot of problems for Tottenham, um, especially from set pieces. You know, last season Spurs really struggled from set pieces. Brentford were one of the better teams in terms of um, creating from, from the dead ball situation. And if you look at their home record last season, it was great. Underlying process, the average 1.8 expected goals for per home game last season, which is incredibly solid. 
Um, so yeah, I think this could be a bit of a ding dong battle. Um, over two and a half, I could see it being covered by either or both. It could be a three three kind of game. So um, I'm going to take over two point five at minus one forty. Yeah, um, I have two plays in this game. I like the over two point seven five at minus one eleven. Spurs conceded thirty eight goals away from home last season. And you're right, they haven't improved at the back. The goalkeeper, let's see what it looks like. Brentford beat them 3-1, then they played through a 2-2 draw last season. So both of those games were over. So over 2.75 at minus 111. But I'm also going to make a half play to win outright at plus 193. I don't think the Spurs team has solved their problems. We'll see what develops in the coming days about, about Harry Kane. Um, we'll see what all of this looks like. I think it's nothing's going to be easy for Spurs here. I'm a little bit um, bullish in, in in fading Spurs, just like I'm fading Arsenal. And I'm nothing against North London, beautiful place, beautiful spot in the world. But uh, I think Brentford, you're going to find some value in them, not having, but they do have some good attacking players in this team whose name isn't Ivan Tony. So, and I think their transfer dealings have been really good as well. I think they've actually strengthened in a very smart way. Brighton-esque, if you will. So, Brentford at plus 193, a half play there. Uh, let's lock in both those plays. Um, and the final game of the weekend, well, one side has already changed their manager, Lopetegui, out at Wolves. And now they travel to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United. A United victory plays at minus 301 on Pinnacle. The draw plus 475. And a Wolves victory at plus eight thirty four. Do a play for this final game of the weekend, Jake? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Man United to win to nil um, in this game. Um, I'm guessing that laugh means you've got the same the same play. Uh, it's plus one thirty two. It's a it's a full one unit for me. Um, won fifteen of nineteen last season at home. I only lost on the opening day against Brighton. Did Manchester United. Uh, and yeah, Wolves are all over the place, doing turmoil, aren't they? And Gary O'Neill's the man that's been tasked with kind of saving them this season. Uh, he did a good job at Bournemouth, in fairness to him, at the back end of last season, although the underlying data would paint a little bit of a different picture. Um, and yeah, he inherits a Wolves team that were the worst attacking team in the league under Julian Lopetegui, just 0.9 expected goals for per game. Um, so yeah, you've got basically a very blunt Wolves attack with a new manager who has around, what well, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so he's got about five days to work with the squad ahead of this match. So, yeah, he's got his work cut out. It's my favourite play of the week. It's my best bet. It's the value play of the week. United to win to nil at plus 132. These two sides have played to the under nine out of ten times. Last season, two victories for United. Two nil, one nil. They're improved at the goalkeeping position for me. Onana coming in to replace De Gea, who won the Golden Glove. Still does have a job, by the way. And Wolves away from home at the worst expected goals 13.93. It's just, I I just can't see it. Um, this is my favorite bet of the week. Again, I wouldn't talk you into playing the under three at minus 108. I'm really high on Manchester United this season, but I still have some questions where the actual goals are going to come from or who's going to be able to, to provide them. Also, it's a good build-up play, good in transition, good team all around. Do they have enough goals in them? It's my only question. So for this weekend, for betting purposes, United to nil. Good enough for me at plus 132. That's my value play of the week. Before we wrap things up, do you have a value play of the week or a favorite play or a best bet? You know, our best bet is the Brentford Spurs overs. I think that's going to be a cracking game, end-to-end stuff. Um, lots of chances I think we're going to see in that match. So I'm glad it's on telly. Um, not a problem here in this country. We get each and every <laughs> game when it's being played. Uh, yeah, I'm a lot of football. I have a lot of football to watch this weekend, <laughs> and it's begun. We're finally here. The new Premier League season is upon us. Remember our picks, all of them, our plays over the course of the season. They'll feature on all of Pinnacle's social media accounts, including Twitter or X. Um, Andrew Beasley, our good buddy who jumps in from time to time, uh, his expected points article is available on the Pinnacle website, as well as Pinnacle's Premier League betting predictions articles. You can find them all under betting resources. Follow along with Jake at Jake Oz, myself at Gareth Wheeler or Gareth.Wheeler, depending on where you follow. Good stuff. Uh, best of luck this weekend. A lot of similar picks uh, in the first week of the season. I'm not surprised. It's kind of the way that things played out last season, but I'm looking forward to getting in to those head-to-heads, which mm-hmm. proved decisive 
in this guy's favor over the course of last season. Just, just yeah, saying. Did we not, did saying, we not, let, did we not finish in a draw, actually? The way I remember the them, day. I think I yeah. had to by one. But I, perhaps... I thought it was 3 3. I thought I got it on the last day. But um, mm-hmm. we'll have to listen back and double check. Let's not do that. Let's look forward <laughs> and not back. On behalf of Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Miller. This has been Match or Game Week 1 for EPL Insights. <laughs>